0: listening to Maine Ties, a podcast of the Maine Community Foundation. I'm Taylor Mace. You may recognize that tune, Simple Gifts, which was made famous by Aaron Copland's symphony, Appalachian Spring, but is actually a shaker song written in 1848 by Joseph Brackett, an elder of the Shaker Village in Alfred, Maine. Music is just one of the many important contributions shakers have made to society. At the height of shakerism, there were an estimated 4,000 shakers living in the United States in the mid-1800s. Today, the only active Shaker community is at Sabbath Day Lake Shaker Village in New Gloucester, Maine. In 1774, the Shakers, a religious offshoot of Quakerism founded by Mother Ann Lee, resettled from England to North America, mostly creating communities in New England and New York with some Shaker villages in Midwestern states. The Shaker philosophy relies on several basic tenets, the most important of which are celibacy, race and gender equality, communal living, and worship. The Shakers are perhaps most widely known for their beautiful furniture and architecture, which reflects their beliefs of simplicity and practicality. Michael Graham, director of the Shaker Museum and Library at Sabbath Day Lake, has befriended and studied the Shakers for decades.
1: To quote uh, one of my favorite of Mother Anne's sayings, meet each soul where they stand. When I was in college and I first met the Shakers, I, like so many people on the outside, was very starry-eyed. I was uh, looking at the, the living shakers before me as stewards of this incredible history and culture and contributions of furniture making and design and saw them very much as otherworldly and could not, uh, could not relate in any real deep way to 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 them and what the inner workings of this community really were about. And brother Arnold recognized that and told me as he in his very nature does, he told me one day, listen, you're not looking at this the right way. He said, the Shakers have always been ordinary people attempting to live an extraordinary lifestyle. And the thing about that, that resonated so profoundly with me, and that has been the basis of my entire understanding of the Shakers today and of the past, is that it embraces the humanity and and the, the humanness of individuals. We all have personalities, we all have different talents, we all have different strengths and weaknesses that make us vulnerable, but it's in community that collective sharing of those strengths and weaknesses that makes a very strong and dynamic and healthy team.
0: Brother Arnold has lived at the Sabbath day Lake Shaker village since January, 1978.
1: I think if we, we wanna just
2: totally still down Shaker life, thought, philosophy, theology. Uh, we can do it in a, in a nutshell. We are followers of Christ. Every single thing we do is motivated by our imitation of the life of Christ. We are celibate because Christ was celibate. We live in community as he lived in community with his disciples. We share all things in common. No one owns anything, but everybody owns everything. And we practice the confession of sin, which is the opening of the mind. I think if you look at Mother Ann and you say, what about her? And how did she think on these things? She said something that's really overused and yet not understood, I don't think, by anybody, but a shaker. Hands to work, hearts to God. That is such an important value in our lives. That laboring for the gift of God, that's how we consider in worship, use the word labor because it is. It's as much as important as is working with our hands. And Mother said we always had to work with our hands to provide, not only for ourselves, but those who were in need. So the idea of practicing charity, of being a peace church, these all emanate out of this whole philosophy of how we are to elevate physical labor, and we are to do it as sort of a prayer to God. We are doing these things not for ourselves and our own personal gain, but rather we're doing it to elevate as a service to God and our through our brothers and sisters in community, and therefore whatever comes of it is a good. And when the good is, the good is shared, and it's shared either within the community if that's all it produces, or if there's an abundance, then it's shared with other people.
0: Over the past four decades, Brother Arnold has seen more than 30 people come and attempt to live the Shaker lifestyle.
2: From the very beginning, you're going to have huge attrition that we have less than 300 people buried in our cemetery, and we've been here since 1783. So we peaked very early here, uh, back in 1789, there are 187 people here, but by 1800, they were down to less than hundred. And during most of our history, it was about 60 people. And it stayed 60 people, 60 to 70 people until the 1940s when we had a collision with the world basically with World War II. So you had that whole generation that had been brought up that they had hoped we were going to stay as teenage girls getting caught up in the war, going off, the boys also all going off to war and having an aging community that started dropping like flies. So from the 1950s onward, uh, it started being less than a dozen. And when I joined in 1978, I made the seventh member. I've seen as many as 11 people living here at this time. Presently, there are two. But there are several people who are interested in the life right now. And I would also add, during all this time period that I've been here, over 30 people have joined the community. And of those, only Sister June and I have remained. I always say... We're not sort of your typical church. It's not like someone's put a new church in and they knock on your door and say, hey, we got a new one. Come down. Worship with us. Have fellowship. See how you like it. We knock on your door and said, go sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. Come take up your cross and follow me. Well, then people slam the door in your face. Uh, and so we have to wait for people to be awake. And when they're awake, then they can, can contact us. We go over the requirements and, and the time frame and all of that. And if everything seems copacetic, they're invited to come for a visit. And then it's after visiting on and off for about a year that it, it seems mature and, and a right decision to make that they could come and start the life. And you'd be here a novice for a year, and then you would be here for some total of five years before you would be considered a full member or a member of the church. And am I hopeful? I'm more than hopeful. It's my faith and my, it's my firm belief, and it has always been my firm belief since i since I arrived here, that there will always be a church. I can't tell you how many there will be, but I know that so long as this is relevant to God, that it will continue to thrive. So there will people always be brought to it.
0: The primary industry at the Sabbath Day Lake Shaker Village has been manufactured goods and its herb business. The Herb House on the 1,800-acre property is getting ready to undergo a major renovation to become a community and educational center so that the Shakers can share their history and culture with the people of Maine and beyond.
1: The Shakers always had a practical reason to integrate with the outside economically. They've never been entirely self-sufficient. So with a communal workforce, the Shakers had the ability to essentially create Early factory like productions of different types of goods and uh, medicinal herbs, in particular, uh, were a very important trade for the shakers at a time before any types of pharmaceutical medicines were available. Uh, The shakers brought knowledge of herbs and herbalism from England and parts of Europe, and they combined it with knowledge that was gained here from indigenous peoples there were certain native plants growing on properties near or at shaker villages that could be wild harvested or cultivated and um, dried and prepared for benefit and the shakers made an early business out of this and were in fact pioneers of herbalism in the united states Uh, when the 1860s swept in, there was a great deal of change that was brought by industrialism, improvements in technology, railroads that were connecting uh, to national markets, and um, thus began the great chase of competition in the marketplace. And at that point in time, things were changing so quickly for the shakers that um, it was sort of um, um, a, a yin and yang that as these early utilitarian businesses were on the decline like herb production new businesses were developing in marketplaces like tourism and so the shakers shifted their resources and their energy into different types of production current with the markets
2: the herb industry began with the collection of herbs in 1799 which means they started production and sale in 1800 and so far as records scant though they are would indicate the herb industry and the seed industry shared buildings until 1824 when that building was renovated and made into the herb house and it was expanded in 1860 because we had a trustee charles vining who really really got into the herbs and he he said this is going to be it and he produced a catalog which he had a botanist from harvard university give all of the, the names and also what their medicinal abilities were and there were 166 varieties so that was really something that they went gung ho home on and they needed a lot of space so they doubled the size of the building at that time and <clears throat> the thing is it didn't it didn't really live up to its potential so when they were trying to construct the dwelling house where we're, we're talking from in 1883 they needed a new industry to help them through it and the Mount Lebanon shakers gave them something called the Tamar Laxative, And that was supposed to bring the ship in. <laughs> it didn't quite. But anyways, they, for the next 20 years, they, they lived along with that as a medication that they were selling to pharmacies, mostly in Maine, but, but also in Massachusetts. And finally, with the passing of the Pure Food and Drug Acts uh, in around 1900, 1907, 1910, um, the medicinal herb industry had to go away. Because we were not physicians, and we couldn't we couldn't market them anymore. And so then the building itself then starts to get used for other purposes, storage primarily, but then it became a paint shop. It became a place where they could uh, sort out the apples, it became the woodshed. It became a store house for uh, kitchen supplies, flour in particular
1: The building, by default, entered into many decades of deferred maintenance and neglect so that by the time the the business actually closed in the 19 teens, the sole reason why that building remained standing was its function as a woodshed. It continued to supply the winter's fuel for the brick dwelling house where the Shakers lived, their main residence. And that's the reason why it today is the only herb house left in the United States is that it had another purpose.
0: The Shaker Village offers programs for the Margaret Murphy Centers for Children, which serves those with intellectual disabilities in the area. The renovated Herb House will become an expanded center for that program, and where Shaker culture can be perpetuated through the teaching of traditional handcrafts, herbalism, and more.
1: What we've run into in recent years is a shifting call or a real uh, recognizing a real need in the community for more programmatic experiences and really the, the centerpiece for us are the connections that we have with local programs like Margaret Murphy School for Children and Personal On-Site Development Creative Trails. These are all programs that are serving youths and adults that have autism and they're looking for programs in the community where individuals can in real life situations, explore and experience their own personal goals for growth and development. Um, Whether it's in the garden, helping harvest herbs or processing crops, or in the herb department itself, packaging and weighing herbs, labeling products for the marketplace, um, there uh, there is something for everyone to be able to do. And it's a fun workplace. There's music, there's other people that, come in and go, and there's employees who are there consistently every day. So there's a little bit of everything for everyone through these businesses, but we can't expand them any further in the the limited spaces that we have. The, The redevelopment and expansion of the herb business into the herb house is going to allow us to expand that capacity. And it goes far beyond just the means of production. It really is shifting our ability to reach out into the community of Maine and provide a much fuller suite of programs that are going to help, I believe, connect us better with our neighbors. We were very, very fortunate to submit our first ever federal grant application to the National Endowment for the Humanities. And due to the good works of our team, our architects and our partners at Maine Preservation and Maine Historic Preservation Commission, and uh, many others, we, we, we were recommended for funding. And I understand that we were one of eight projects in the United States that were recommended by the panelists to receive the maximum funding award of $750,000. And that just put us over the moon, to put it, to put it simply. And we also recognize the the traction that that provides to our efforts, because that type of distinction coming from the NEH assures philanthropists, donors, uh, a a certain assurance of confidence that this is a a well-thought-out project that will have beneficial uh, impact and outcomes for the community, um, that it's been well-conceived. So we are right now, literally at this very moment, beginning to uh, fundraise to raise the money for the matching funds required for the the NEH money. The the NEH grant um, is a four to one match, which means we have to raise a little over three point two million dollars over the next three years to uphold our end of receiving that recommendation for funding from them. Uh, the challenge is steep. It's more money than we've ever endeavored to raise before on a single project of this scale. But we're confident that it's the, that the House project has been um, well developed to optimize the space and uh, and its good works. We also respect and are very grateful for the fact that. The topic of the Shakers is one of national significance, that they've contributed so many things to the fabric of American history, like the paper seed envelope and the flat room and circular saw blade, that there's a general awareness of the Shakers and their creativeness and their lasting contributions. The fun that we have uh, to do right now is to spread awareness that um, they're still here. And they're still endeavoring to tell their story and to tell their story with a live audience right here on site. And so I'm, I'm looking forward as this story opens up and as we go forward and begin to share the news of our plans and, and the Herb House Rehabilitation Project that people will get excited and motivated, inspired by it and really help make a lasting legacy here through this project.
0: Simple Gifts is performed here by Palaver Strings, a nonprofit string ensemble based in Portland. To learn more about the Shakers, visit mainshakers.org. Listen to all episodes of Main Ties at maincf.org/podcast or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.